Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Today, I am in the holiday spirit, and we're going to talk about The Stupidest Angel by Christopher Moore. I hope everyone is excited as I am for whatever holiday you're celebrating, whether you're seeing family, spending great time alone, whatever you're doing, I definitely hope that you're going to enjoy it. We've got the threat of this huge winter storm that's supposedly coming, but you never know how things are going to be with these storms and in Wisconsin too. I've heard different things across the board from one to three inches to five to eight inches to up to 18 inches. <laughs> so I guess we're going to kind of have to wait and see how things go here. There is supposed to be blizzard-like conditions too, so hopefully anyone that's in the storm's path currently or that will be in the storm's path, make sure you are staying safe and being smart about your travel, especially right before the holidays when there is a lot of travel during this time. I know, thankfully, my family has been able to make other plans, and uh, we should have everything figured out here in a way that everybody is safe, and that's what's truly important, I think. I am so thankful that I have such an incredible family. I know I've talked about them in the past, but I'm truly fortunate to have such wonderful parents and three beautiful children. Despite the fact that my girls are not my biological children, I love them more than they will ever know, and I enjoy being around them so much. All three of my kids are really great people, I think. I'm thankful they're all such good-hearted and caring people. They are smart and funny, and I truly enjoy being around them. We've been doing lots of family things, uh, and now we're going to be doing even more family things for the next couple days, so I'm really looking forward to it. We have already spent one day making cookies, which is something that I really enjoy, and we're going to be having a second day where we make cookies, but even more special this year, thanks to the addition of my daughter's boyfriend. And we've also added a few family items to the event. We used cookie cutters that have been in my family for years. And also one of my best friends who is like family gave me and each of the girls an apron that her grandmother handmade and hand stitched not really an apron kind of cook and I've never really used one, but I am a big fan of tradition. So it was fun to start this new kind of slash old tradition with my girls. And I just love the magical feeling of the season. I love the music, even the religious music, despite not having those beliefs. It reminds me of the times that I did go to church at Christmas time and how much I loved it. My son was actually also the baby Jesus in a live nativity play when he was only a few months old. He was wrapped in a wool blanket that my grandma wove. So it's a cool memory for me and something that I hope he enjoys hearing more about as he gets older. So whatever you are doing for this holiday season, even if it's not a holiday season for you, I hope you enjoy the rest of your year. For the booze this week, this is going to be a history maker here. Two weeks in a row that there will not be a beer or wine for the booze but rather a hard liquor beverage. Eggnog is everywhere now, and I don't love eggnog, but if I do drink it, I get this specific kind from Overrice Dairy, 
which is actually headquartered in Illinois, but it's so good. It's so rich and creamy and more like heavy cream than milk-like, which is probably the reason I love it because it probably has like a million more calories than the regular eggnog. <laughs> it's not one that you can drink a lot of, but it's better than any other store-bought eggnog that I have ever had. Homemade, of course, is always better, and I have made some good eggnogs in the past. One of my coworkers made a Puerto Rican eggnog, and it blew even Oberweiss eggnog out of the water. Puerto Rican eggnog is called cojito, and I have attached the recipe for how I made it at home after my coworker made us for, made it for us to try. It calls for white rum, but you could easily add spiced rum or even like a rum chata for that boozy kick. It's also good as a non-alcoholic beverage, which is, of course, how we had it at work. We were not drinking alcohol at work. <laughs> You didn't think we could drink alcohol at work, did you? I definitely don't work in that kind of place. I used to. The last job I had before this one, they did have like beer in the fridge, but not at this job that I have now. <laughs> I've got a bottle of this and, that I saved to share with my family over the next couple of days, though we'll probably stick to the non-alcoholic version. I think for me, it's the coconut milk. It's not overly coconutty, but it just gives it that extra added flavor that I loved. This is something that I wouldn't pair with anything but a good book. It's so rich and decadent that you don't really want anything to take away from the flavor by like pairing it with a specific food or anything like that. And this was a good time to have it with paired with this Christmassy book. So as far as the author, once again, Christopher Moore is an author that I have known about and who has been recommended to me for years. I will say when I was younger, I liked a lot of serious books, and the idea of a comedy book didn't really appeal to me a lot. My tastes have changed, and I'm definitely not as serious, and I appreciate good humor, so I figured it was about time. Moore has a great website. It's really well detailed, goes into all of his books, and he also has a blog as well. The bio from his website, quote, Christopher Moore is the author of 15 novels, including the international bestsellers, Lamb, A Dirty Job, and You Suck. His latest novel, Secondhand Souls, will be released in August 2015, which, by the way, this is not up to date because he just released this year, 2022, Razzmatazz. Continuing on, though, quote, Chris was born in Toledo, Ohio, and grew up in Mansfield, Ohio. His father was a highway patrolman, and his mother sold major appliances at a department store. He attended Ohio State University and Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. He moved to California when he was 19 years old and lived on the Central Coast until 20. 20, 2003, when he moved to Hawaii. Before publishing his first novel, Practical Demon Keeping, in 1992, he worked as a roofer, a grocery store clerk, a hotel night auditor, an insurance broker, a waiter, a photographer, and a rock and roll DJ. Chris has drawn on all of these work experiences to create the characters in his books. When he's not writing, Chris enjoys ocean kayaking, scuba diving, photography, and painting with acrylics and oils. He lives in San Francisco. And the blog covers his writing experiences and some of his first bad drafts, which I think is awesome. There are so many new writers out there who don't realize it's totally okay to have bad first drafts and that most books are very heavily edited from their original drafts. And I love that Moore normalizes this. He also has a Facebook fan page, which of course, I didn't go on because if you've been paying attention and listening to other podcasts, I am not on Facebook anymore. 
and I still don't miss it to this day. <laughs> Getting into the book, The Stupidest Angel is the third book of Moore's Pine Cove series, though the books are all standalone books. The setting is Pine Cove, California. It's much like any small tourist town, and Moore does a great job setting the scene. The story is about the hijinks of a few of the town's residents as the holiday and the tourists descend on this small town. The angel Raziel has been sent to earth to grant the wish of a child, resulting in a Christmas miracle for all to witness. This is an ensemble cast of town characters who are getting ready for the onslaught of tourists who filled the town right before and on Christmas Day. They are planning the Christmas Day barbecue when things start to go wrong. It's a satire that's very aware that it's a satire. There are stereotypical small town characters in the book that you'd expect and that you still love. Though I will say there's something about Moore's description of Pine Cove that made me feel like I was reading a Stephen King novel. I think that he nailed his small town characters on point that made me feel like this. One of my favorite stores was called Brine's Bait, Tackle, and Fine Wine because as funny as it is, a place like this is not unlikely or probably even unheard of in the Midwest. I haven't really been to California to know if it would be likely out there, but certainly in my neck of the woods. Moore is originally from Ohio, so I'm sure it wouldn't be a surprise to find such a place in Ohio either. Moore takes note of some funny little things that make the book more relatable and amusing, like the mention of the hideous reindeer sweater that has been marked up for the 10th consecutive year. And when this book came out, I'm not sure how popular ugly sweaters were. It's definitely something that is now so popular that you can actually find purposeful ugly sweaters in stores, um, but they do talk about the, the hideous reindeer sweater, which I'm sure I can imagine was terribly hideous. I also love the drink they talk about called the Slow Comfortable Screw in Santa's Sleigh, which is not an actual drink because I looked it up just in case to see if there was a drink named this. But there are several similar drinks, and I've linked the recipes in the show notes just in case you'd like to make them. I did think about using one of them for the booze of the week, but I prefer Coquito to any of these. There is the slow screw, the slow comfortable screw, and the slow comfortable screw against the wall. And last but not least, slow comfortable screw on the beach. There may be even more, honestly, but these are the ones that I know about and that I found recipes for. I definitely loved the author's warning in the beginning of the book, even though as a reader in my 40s myself, it wasn't something that turned me away. I'll admit that it might have in my 20s, though. It's great timing for the holidays. I sat and read this book while I was enjoying some coquito with the lights in the tree in the background and the slow and snow and slush coming down outside. So my weather here in Wisconsin isn't similar to the weather in the book, but I can still enjoy the setting and would honestly prefer the 70 degree weather that was in Pine Cove to what we have in Wisconsin, especially with this huge storm coming and the wind chill supposedly going to be down in like the negative 40 range. So definitely not looking forward to that. Lena is a great character, but I do get irritated when men write women who are obsessed with their weight. I'm not saying that there aren't women that are obsessed with their weight. I just find it lazy writing and please give your female characters a little more depth. So I guess while this was an eye roll moment for me in the book, Lena is pretty well written. She's one of the more interesting characters, that's for sure. Raziel is of course 
the stupidest angel, though he's not as stupid as he is more like a young child who just takes everything extremely literally. He has several run-ins with various town folk who view him as everything from a pedophile to a celestial being. There is Theo, the town constable, who's living with Molly, a former actress. There's also Dale, who is the miserable ex-husband of Lena's. And then we meet Tuck, a quirky pilot who is new in town and who has a pet fruit bat. Roberto, the fruit bat, is one of the better characters in the book as well, and I love his additions to the story. Tuck has a couple of fun moments until a later moment totally ruins his character for me. One of my favorites is when he says to Lena, quote, Look, you can't get through life without accumulating a little baggage, right? It's a great quote, and even better when it's in the context of the book. Tuck also thinks that the classic Babes in Toyland is a porno, which is a little funny, but also at the same time a little sad. There are some hilarious moments that happen in the book that I actually did laugh out loud with. The town is hosting a lonely Christmas celebration for the residents and have decided to have lasagna as the special meal at the lonely Christmas celebration. Molly is hoping her lasagna turns out well and is struggling, and more ads in the book that quote, but the gods did not concern themselves in the affairs of lasagna. So the sky did not explode with vengeful fire. <laughs> I also loved them decorating for the lonely Christmas and quote, the little chapel was starting to resemble nothing more than the nest of a colorblind Ewok. Though the Ewok reference probably dates the book a little and uh, that reference might get lost on some readers. I still enjoyed that little tidbit there. Raziel's great moment is a little unclear as well because he isn't getting the response he wants immediately. He says, quote, behold, for I am not really kidding. Well, I said that wrong. Quote, behold, for I am really not kidding, which also made me laugh. Either way it was written, it would made me laugh, but I flip-flopped a couple of the words there. One of the final observations in the book is, quote, life is messy, which is a simple and great reflection back on the events in the story as it is for us as the readers. There are so many great parts of the book, and I really love Moore's creativity and the absurdity of the story as a lot of fun. There was just too much that ruined this book for me, and I'm a little mad about it. I really wanted to like this one. I realized that it was written in the early 2000s, so there is a lot that has changed, but it still really bothered me, and it bothered me enough that it did ruin the fun for me. So here are some spoilers. If you want to read the book first, you might want to skip over the spoilers, and honestly, you might not have the same issues of of the book as I did. If you have listened to my other podcasts and find yourself agreeing with my assessment on things, then you might have the same thoughts on me as, as I did with this book. So the first thing that jumped out at me was the portrayal of Molly, who gained some fame playing Kendra the Warrior Babe in some B action movies. Well, I really liked the idea of her, and I liked that she basically saved the whole town. What I don't like is that she has mental health issues, and rather than take this seriously, Moore uses her for comedic value. There are a lot of crazy hot jokes amongst the male characters of the books in the uh, male characters in the book, and Theo, her partner, basically just admits to himself that he only puts up with the insanity because the sex is good. And I like Molly as a character. I think she deserves better than Theo, and I think she deserves better than how Moore treats her as a joke. People who need to be medicated for their mental illness and then go off that medication are not really a joke, and I didn't really find that funny. I found it more disturbing and concerning, especially the way that Moore treated her 
in the book. The only part of the story I found slightly clever is Moore's commentary on the angel Raziel telling Molly that they are drawn to, quote, lunatics. And that's his words. I'm not a fan of that description of her because people don't believe them. So I actually kind of like the idea that there is more to the world than what we know or understand. And that sometimes the people that we might ignore or dismiss have something of value to say, if only we gave them the respect to listen to them. There's also a chapter in the book where Moore takes a moment uh, to kind of awkwardly give some history and insight into his characters. He's giving some history on Tuck and shares a photo of the 10-year-old Tuck where Tuck is grabbing the butt of his 11-year-old cousin. And I'm sorry, but the sexual assault of an 11-year-old is not funny to me remotely. I have an 11-year-old and we've talked plenty of times about where not to touch people Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. These are kids after all, and figuring things out and learning boundaries is not something that I would ever use in a book to try to convey a a character as a lovable troublemaker, because that doesn't convey that to me, especially in this situation. That's definitely the vibe that Moore is trying to create by sharing this little story. And Tuck is an interesting character. I would have liked him a lot more if it were not for that scene. That scene totally ruined it for me. If that would have been eliminated completely from the book, I think Tuck would have been a really great character. So overall, I liked some of Moore's creativity, but I felt like he got really lazy with his characters. They have potential, but the men fell flat as sexist, boorish, and selfish. The women were stereotypical ideas ideals of what some men think of women and they were underdeveloped. So I had to give this one a two out of five. For me, the fun that Moore was trying to create just couldn't overcome those flaws. I was really disappointed again because I like funny and I really wanted to like this. I honestly struggled to finish reading it even. I'm not really interested in reading more of his books because of this and it just felt like an overall disappointment. This actually got a 3.81 on Goodreads. One reviewer said, quote, kitchen sink wackiness and Troop of Tropes Parade through a book not half as hilarious as I hoped it would be. Generally, I find the humor to be dated and filled with easy gags. And yeah, I felt the humor was a little dated and maybe some of it was easy, but if it wasn't for those kind of fatal flaws I felt it had, I, I thought it would have been kind of funnier, more funny. <laughs> Quote, my favorite Christmas read, just so off it's funny. Another reviewer said, quote, I love Chris Moore. What's not to love? His books are genuinely funny, and judging by his website and Twitter, he's an all-around nice guy. The Stupidest Angel, as far as I can tell, is Moore's idea of a greatest hits book. The book is short, the action keeps moving, and the book is a grand old time. Another reviewer said, quote, funny and slightly disturbing in places, but it's a book and not to be taken too seriously. And so maybe I'm a stick in the mud, but for me... I did take some of it seriously, and I didn't think that it was funny. And I do like Goofy and Slapstick. I just think it could have been done differently and done better. Final review, (laughs) quote, I hated it. 
It was very Americanized, so hard to get into. And then all the stupid stuff was as though the author asked a five-year-old to make up a wacky story and went with it. So there are a few others who didn't like it, but I generally seemed to be in the minority. So if you're not as easily offended as I am, then you might want to check out this holiday comedy. But if you did listen to some of the spoilers and you feel the same way, you might just want to skip this one too. Hopping into the media recommendations, I had to recommend this one because if you want a fun and funny book, I would recommend I'm Not a Cop by Richard Belzer, who played Detective John Munch on the Law and Order shows. While it's been a while since I've read that one, it's a standout to me as a book that I really enjoyed that I think about occasionally still, and the last time I read it was probably over a decade ago. And it's probably due for a reread. It's a mystery story that blends fact and fiction with Belzer getting mistaken for his character, Detective Munch. He then gets involved in the mysterious disappearance of a friend of his. It's a fun ride, and I recommend this one when you're looking for a book that will make you laugh out loud. Also, I believe in Santa on Netflix. For some reason, my son really likes terrible Hallmark-type Christmas romances. (laughs) I don't get it, but that's what we've been watching a lot together. This one was a little better than I expected it to be. It's funny and cute, even for the preposterous premise that an adult man believes in Santa Claus. I am working with my therapist on recognizing red flags, and that would definitely be one of them for me. But if you can suspend reality for just a bit, there are some worthwhile moments in the movie. Also, The Noel Diary was a holiday movie too, which was a little better than I Believe in Santa. That one was also on Netflix. This is based on a book by Richard Paul Evans, who I know is popular, but I've never read. And I still don't plan on reading any of his books, even though I did think this was a cute movie. It stars Justin Hartley, who is, I think, a pretty decent actor. The love story goes a little too fast for me and is pretty unbelievable, but I am a sucker for stories where authors are characters. It was fun, not too serious, and good for the holidays. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram and at Don't Read Drunk. You can email me at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com and check out my website at don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. There is no apostrophe in any of the don'ts. This is a hobby podcast, so If you are able to help out, it is greatly appreciated. You can do a one-time donation through PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. Again, there's no apostrophe in the don't. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find Aaron and One Up Till Sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. They just opened up Supernova Coffee and Donuts in downtown Milwaukee, and their donuts are amazing. Next episode, we'll be talking about The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Bye, and talk to you soon.